from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Cofield and Company, lot to get to. My Lord, I know it's one of my favorite things. I know uh, most people aren't paying attention to it. The transfer portal in college basketball, we'll get to that a little later. I can do three hours a day on it, but I know it's about the uh, 10th biggest thing going on right now, and I'm into the other big things like uh, the nights with games tonight and Thursday. We'll get into that. We got NBA playoffs starting tonight with the uh, play-in Lakers in the late spot. So we'll hit on that. A little football, too. Raiders, a lot of mock drafts out there. They have another visitor in town at the quarterback position. So all on the docket for a Tuesday co-field and company. But in studio today, just redid the studios, thanks to Lotus Management. So now with COVID pass, that was kind of a crazy period where we couldn't have people in. It was uh, Fort Knox in here. Marty Cordova is in studio with us, former Major League Baseball player, 1994. Five Rookie of the Year, a Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer, a megastar athletically at Gorman, friend to the stars. <laughs> we'll have to get into that. Marty, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Steve. How you doing? Happy to be here. I'm good. I appreciate you uh, driving across town to come in. So what's happening? I know we got a golf tournament coming up. We're going to talk about that. That's in May. How are you? You look good. I'm, I'm great. I feel great. Everything's positive in my life. I can't complain about anything, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. All right. Good deal. Good yeah. deal. So, United Way, we got a golf tournament coming up. So, let's talk about this. Who might be in the tournament? And, well, first off, let's talk about what it benefits. Well, you know, the United Way of Southern Nevada, I've been on the board now for about a year. As I, as I, we talked over the years about I had owned a company, Bent Pixels, that did social media, uh, like you, Joe Rogan to esports guys. And we managed their YouTube channel, sold, the, sold their media, sold their. Uh, you know, just basic like regular TV, but we did it for YouTube. Did that for many years, and then I kind of got to the point where I was like ready to move on to something else. I exited that, and then I'm like, you know, now I just wanted to spend more time with passion projects, helping people that are going through struggles in life, and realized that I'd spent 50 years kind of worried only about myself, and maybe spend the next half of my life trying to do some good. What was the epiphany? What turned it for you? <clears throat> just the, the the biggest epiphany, honestly, is I, I had a lot of things and I just wasn't that happy inside of as a person. I know right. it sounds crazy, but I think more people went through this during that pandemic that they realized they can't be alone with themselves, that maybe there's something more, you know, that we're just not at peace inside, I guess. And I'm not trying to get all spiritual, but no, I think it, yeah. I think it's a good discussion because I see in a lot of spaces, uh, workplace, friends, like a lot of people came out of COVID pretty jacked up and I'm not mocking on them. Uh, but I hadn't thought of that part of it. I guess I, I did when it was going on. The the time alone or time with just a small group, you started to self-examine. Yeah. I'm not saying you. I'm saying everyone. And you're like, Wait, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, I thought everything was yeah. cool. And now, like, this this is not that great. Yeah, we have a lot of distractions in our life with phones. And, you know, there's constant things distracting us. And then when you have to be alone with yourself, it's like, am I really happy? So I kind of just felt like, Maybe I needed to do more. And the more I help people and talk to people who are struggling through things that I've struggled through in my past, that it just became, I became a happier person. So now I'm like 
I'm just going to continue to do things that I'm passionate about and then um, help as many people as I can and go from there. And that's why I got involved with the United Way of Southern Nevada. Like I said, I got on the board about a year and a half ago. And then they asked me if I wanted to host this golf tournament that's coming up on May 11th. And I was like, sure. I've never done one before. I played in a lot of them. Um, I have no real experience hosting one, but why not? (laughs) Sure. I have some friends in town here, so I'll invite as many friends as I can to come join and see how it goes. Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. It's a Tuesday. Marty Cordova, former AL Rookie of the Year. He's a hometown hero. Went to Bishop Gorman. Uh, May 11th is the tournament. Best way to get in. I saw there's a uh, way to get in with foursomes. Uh, and we'll talk about the other events, the, the meet and greet element of it. You get a chance to meet some of your uh, friends, of sports stars of today and yesterday. Best way to get in? Yeah, there, there's a number you can call. It's 702-892-2300 or go to www.unitedwayofsouthernnevada.org forward slash golf, and it's UWSN. And I'm just kind of asking anybody that's a local business that wants to participate too, uh, I can give you my personal cell phone number, 702-499-6665. It's 702-499-6665, and anybody that would like to participate in this, uh, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to direct you to the right place. But just trying to get people that want to help other people in, in the United Way of Southern Nevada helps. I, I believe, and I, I'm going to misspeak, but it's like I think 33% of the people in this community have been touched in one way or another by some of the charities that they that they support. All right. Do me a favor. There's an address on our uh, show sheet where people can look up the golf tournament. And hopefully in the coming weeks, we'll get on a, a few of the celebrity participants. Are you good at golf? I actually had a few back surgeries, but so I, I played in a oh, golf no. tournament in December. Yeah, and I made it to like the 13th hole, and then I was like, I, I, I'm going to have to stop. What happened to the back? Just had I've had three back surgeries. Just had my C6 ne- uh, neck disc replaced, So, but I feel great now. Right. I'm fine. You were reaching out to go bowling. Yeah. I always Is that part of something. the rehab? No, no I, just, I just like to beat you at things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have the, uh, the NCAA Women's Bowling Championships are here. Really? Down at South Point, and where uh, we have some great clients. So on Thursdays and Fridays, we're sold for much of the year at Silver Sevens and at Treasure Island. But when I saw the news come out about a month ago, I was like, "Man, this would be a good day to have Marty come in." Just he, he and I, just watching some bowling. I'd love to do it. I really enjoy bowling. I think it's Mookie Betts is like an amazing bowler and amazing. has a bowling alley in his house and is like really into it. It's just I think he's had he's had multiple three hundred games. That's how good yeah. he is. Um, well, imagine. Funny thing is. Um, Part of the reason I was really excited about the NCAA championship coming here is the XFL quarterback in town. Now he's been traded, but they had a guy, Luis Perez, who when I talked to him about three months ago, he's been bouncing around. He's about uh, 28 years old, playing a lot of the minor league football leagues, you know, trying to get to the big time. And he had gotten off to a slow start with his football career. He told me because he was such a good bowler, he was considering as a high school kid and, you know, late teen, early 20 something that he was thinking about going pro. I'm like, my God, can you imagine you and I? Going out with this guy, he's probably rolling two thirties. Yeah, well, my brother, my oldest brother, he's bowled like three three hundreds. Hello, All and right. he's he's not an athlete. Never was. He played baseball, he's a little not. basketball in high school, but yeah. he's just really he's not an athlete. He's tall, well, he's kind of athletic. He played in high school. Well, yeah, I mean, he's okay. he's not a pro bowler. He just plays recreationally okay. and is in a couple leagues over the years. But I was like shocked when I was like, damn, he's really good. But he's taller than me. He's like six three and and probably two twenty, two thirty. So he has that length, that leverage that you can get on the bowling ball a little easier than. You know, six foot tall guy. I see a lot of short people who are good bowlers. I'll take up yeah. for the short people. It's the accuracy that matters. It to is be the accuracy. You're right. It's not. It's not the power. I don't. You know what? I'm. We're going to go down a path I don't know much about. I'm going to talk <laughs> yeah. about revolutions and all that. Um, so, 
We'll get back to the golf tournament in a couple minutes. Um, how much are you paying attention to Major League Baseball now? You see all the rule changes? I've been a little bit, to be honest. I just am just not really following it that closely. But I have been watching Jeff Fries on on social media a lot, and he's really like taking on these guru hitting instructors and people that are teaching some crazy hitting techniques. That like what? Just the craziest things. These devices that they make. Guys using cones. They're using. It's just really. It's it's really. You, you got to check it out to see how crazy some of these are and there and a couple of these guys have even worked like with Aaron Judge or some other guys and they're they're all about this launch angle these these guys are just like everything i ever learned in baseball they're teaching the exact opposite to just try what to What did you learn as compared to launch angle? Well, I learned to t- drive through the ball. You swing down through the ball and the ball gets backspin like a golf ball and that's how you hit home runs and and when i played if you hit 230 it was embarrassing. Yeah. Like you'd 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 be ran out of the game. Now it's like if you hit 230 and 22 home runs it's okay. It's not a bad thing for some reason. And I'm, I'm maybe oversimplifying it as that, but if I went up to the plate every time and didn't care about strikeouts and just swung from the, for the fences every time, it would be. Yeah, but a lot, you know what's funny? A lot of old baseball players will say, I'm not saying you're old, but I hear I hear a lot of old. Ba- I mean, hell, like Mickey Mantle did it the opposite way on like Pete Rose, where he's like, well, if I just tried to go out and you know get base hits all the time, okay, well. Well, I, I think know, it's. A, I, I don't know that you could have done that. Well, Nick. I think it's if, a little if harder is, if your game is what your game is. Yeah, it's a little harder. I'd say to just get three thousand hits is, is hard to do. But if you don't care about striking out and putting right. the ball in play and making contact, then that's a lot easier to just swing as hard as you can every time because you're you only hit a home run when you're going to obviously swing and make hard and make full contact. Right. So if I'm looking to protect the plate or try to put the ball in play. Uh, and hit the ball to opposite field and not strike out a lot and you know try to get on base. My on base percentage was important to me. Then your home runs are not going to be what they could be. I, I know a good example of that is, is Ichiro would say he would hit you know eight, nine, ten home runs a year, but he could have hit 50 if he wanted to. And I'd watch him take batting practice, and he hit balls into the third deck regularly. So right. he had the power to do it. It just he focused on hitting the ball opposite field, running and getting on base and scoring. That was his game. What do you think of Gallo, who kind of hit rock bottom in New York? Well, first of all, let's discuss New York, right? And 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 going to New York as a as a visiting player, can you imagine what it's like for a home player when the fans turn on you? I'm a big Joey Gallo defender. It really, hey, I'm, hey, a, I'm a Yankee hey. fan. It really pissed me off what Yankee fans and what the media did to him. It's a thing. It really is in those major markets: Boston, Philly, uh, New York. If you don't perform, they, they'll get on you and let you know about it. And there's certain players that love it, like Derek Jeter obviously embraced it and was good from the start. Could handle the pressure, but there is another level of pressure. And the small markets, the media is less. They're more forgiving. They're, the fans are a little nicer. Even playing in New York and Boston, the fans, they, they're passionate about baseball. They really understand it. They understand. Guys would tell me my batting average with runs in scoring position. If that was low, you know, they, they yeah. would get into the details of how yeah. any way to, to try to get under your skin. But they know the game. You know, they, they're yeah, passionate I, about it. I just it. never understood um, basically mentally breaking one of your own guys. Like he's on the team. You're paying him. Whether you like what's going on now, you know, or not, support them because you can have the the worst situations where, and I can name yeah. the different Yankee players over the years who went there and either developed the yips. If you want to go way back, it was like Steve, Steve Trout, Sachs. Steve Sachs, Steve Sachs with the yeah. yips. You know, Bobby Meacham had him where he's throwing it into the stands. Chuck Knobloch eventually yeah. got it, but uh, then there's a, there's so many pitchers over the years who went there who were pretty good pitchers elsewhere and just fell apart in New York. Well, I think a lot of it is there's so many people there that. There's not a lot of people going every day to the same game, so everybody expects you to hit be four for four every game because they're there that game. That's interesting. So they're very, very like I paid twenty bucks. I want a homer. That's a good you know? New York accent. I so whatever you know that yeah. they're just like 
I want it's really when you say what have you done for me lately yeah. it's serious in a city like that they expect you to get four hits every game well let's talk some baseball here in the opening hour I want to get to the pitch clock the the, the uh, hitter readiness thing the bases now that are like pizza boxes we'll get to the rumors and they're more than rumors the A's either coming to Vegas or using Vegas as a negotiating pawn uh, Marty Cordova is going to come back with us here in just a couple minutes but I want to remind you tonight we got the Aviators back on the field uh, series Tuesday all the way through Sunday uh, Reyes to Plata tonight they're all 705 starts except for Thursday which is a 1205 uh, prizes later in the week include free beanie night on Friday Saturday is free jersey night it's Aviators against Salt Lake tonight the game is at 705 uh, get up to the website and grab your tickets for Aviators baseball ESPN Las Vegas is hooking you up. Tune in to Cofield and Company in the press box all week long to win a pair of tickets for the Professional Fighters League fights on April 14th at the Theater at Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Check out PFLMMA.com for more info. Big golf tournament coming up. Marty Cordova is running the thing over at Revere. It's the United Way. Go on the web to uh, UWSN65.org. UWSN65.org. We'll get into the tournament more and, and the benefits and also who may come out to the tournament. Going to be some celebrities out there. And this is charity golf season coming up for like the next three months while the, the weather's real nice. By the way, pretty crazy here, wasn't it? The last. Yeah. This, this was like, you know, we, we were talking about um, a little earlier about, you know, kind of struggling with different parts of life. Um, I am a sun person. I know I don't seem like one, but mm. I need the sun. That's why I live here. Yeah. I swear we had like four months where the sun came out for like five days. Yeah, it was it was a pretty brutal winter, and then actually uh, it was day before yesterday. I went bike riding the last two days, and it was like ninety five degrees. Yeah. It was it's it was hot. It was it was great. I'll I, take I, the I hot weather it. over brutally yeah. cold weather anytime. Absolutely. Anytime. And and again, I'm not running this golf tournament. I'm more of a mascot. Okay. I'm just there for support. Running. Yeah. Jason Diorio is running yes. it. I'm just there to help. So uh, we were talking a little baseball, and we were talking about some rule changes. Well, one, you were talking about how the game's changed with launch angle, right? Um, the other big thing they wanted to address, and I think it's good for the game in terms of offense. We know every sport wants more offense. What do you think of banning the shift? I, I don't th- I Honestly, I didn't bo- they didn't bother me. If you can't hit the ball the opposite way or if there's too many guys there, you could play 12, you know, nine, or eight guys on right field if you want. That's just, that's your defense. Who cares, right? I saw Will Clark, who's eh, kind of crotchety to begin with. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Will. He was when he played. Yeah, he was. He, yeah. he kind of still is. He He's was probably worse doing, now. He, he was doing the old thing, and he said the same exact thing. He's like, if you can't hit the other way, then that's on you. I just really didn't care because to me, I was more concerned on hitting the baseball than worried about where people were playing me. Right. And if they played where I hit the ball, great. Sometimes I'm going to hit it where they're not playing. I, I, honestly, I was more concentrating on hitting the ball than worried about whether a guy's playing me to pull. Because sometimes guys will play you to pull because you hit more, even when I played. Right. But that didn't mean I tried to hit the ball the other way on purpose. I just hit it, tried to hit it hard. And they have, an, and I know it matters, like launch angle and velo- exit velocity. When I played, it was just hit the ball as hard as you can, as often as you can, and you're probably going to have a higher batting average and get on base more good things happen when you hit the ball hard that's it's just now it's more science science behind it yeah i get it but i just don't think you can create a guy uh, that, that's not a home run hitter and just start swinging for the fences and you're going to be a home run hitter you're just going to be a guy that strikes out a lot never gets on base it's the voice of marty cordova former al rookie of the year he's a vegas guy started out his career with the twins you ended with orioles orioles yeah we'll get to the orioles in a second but the other rule changes do you like the pitch clock? 
I don't love the pitch clock that it's so cut and dry, but I guess it has to be. But I always liked when guys work quick. I played with Steve Traxel, who was the slowest pitcher ever in Toronto. It was ridiculous. He he was the sl- he would step off fifty times when a guy got to first, throw over a hundred times. Even as a defense, we're like, come on, throw the ball, please. Right. Just it's it's boring for us. And to me, the uh, a guy named Mark Burley who pitched for the White Sox yeah. in the nineties and two thousands. He, he was up there so quick that hitters would want to get out of the box because he was ready to throw. As soon as he got the ball, he didn't want it thrown around the horn. He just like, give me the ball, I'm going to go. And Greg Maddox did that as well because he knew his defense would be more on their toes, right. ready to make good plays. At, and he just wanted to put the ball in play, let's go, let's go, let's go. And he was a great pitcher doing that. So I don't really think – what what do you got to do? Why do you got to walk around so much? Just get up there and do your job. And I think it, it's, it's a good thing to get them motivated to work quicker – but I've seen some of the ways that like uh, to lose a game or to call a game or to have an outcome of a game because a pitcher needs to readjust what the signals are is a little crazy. Well, rules are rules, right? Yeah. Everyone's going to adjust to it at some point. We'll see if an umpire has the stones to actually do it in the postseason. Oh, I think a couple will. And that's, that's the only danger, I think, when you put more things, subjective things, into the umps' hands. There are some umps who do get emotional yeah. and can jack with the game. And we saw you know, a case last week where someone got called out. It was Machado. Uh, Machado got called out. I think Machado had called the ump a douchebag. And at that point, which, by by the way, something I brought up, I wonder if baseball players actually process this. Something I brought up last week. Why is it in baseball, why is it widely accepted? I think it's the only sport where the hook, you can get thrown out of a game really quickly. Think about the other sports and what you have to do to actually get tossed. you You ever see... The NFL, like you, you would have, you have to nail someone with a vicious hit. What does a coach have to do to get thrown out in an NFL game? They can do anything. Well, I think it's th- almost like it's it's been baked into the game as part of the entertainment. Yeah. To toss baseball players, but why is that acceptable? I think it was always like you said, a show. They they'd fight and argue. The manager would come out to try to shift the momentum, slow right. the game down, or whatever. I never argued with the umpires. You I did. I out? did very very beginning of my career. I did one time, and then I realized. Why am I getting on the bad side of the guys that control my fate so much? Uh-huh. And back then, we didn't have that strike zone that you see on TV. So you'd have guys calling pitches a foot outside a strike if they didn't like you. So I just became nice to them. If I had a question on the strike zone or if there was something that bothered me, I'd ask them and talk to them like real people. But the, but there is emotions involved, obviously, and you're trying to compete for your job and you want to win. And, and sometimes you can say things out of anger, and I get it. But I just never understood being an enemy of the umpires. It doesn't do you any good. No, not at all. But, yeah, Machado got thrown out. He called him a name, and then he got called out. Basically, it was batter readiness, which is – that's a lot to put in the umpire's hands. Well, I don't, I, I don't know why they have batter ready, readiness, in my opinion. Just throw the ball. Yeah, if you're and in if the box, you're, if, if you're, it doesn't matter. Gloves? Too bad. And yeah. that's how it used to be when I, when I played. If the pitcher started his windup, sometimes the umpire would go throw. And if the ball bounced, he'd call it a strike. He didn't care because he just the, the batter was taking too long. So I think that kind of would be – a more reasonable approach is the pitcher has to throw within a reasonable amount of time because some of those dudes walk around, play with the rosin bag, play with their pants, mess around for a little bit, and they're like, what are you doing? But I, I can understand if the hitter's not ready when the pitcher has to throw it, then it's a strike. Do you think guys like Garcia Parra would be fine today? Like the whole routine, it's just it's gone, dude. You can't do the wrist and the He could do that. He'd just have to stay in the box and do it within his 10 seconds or whatever you got. So what? I had a routine. We all do. It's yeah. a way of, of clearing your mind and, and let's say if you swung at a bad pitch and you want to tap, tap the plate. Mine was like just a five little thing routine. Right. But I never got out of the box. I never, I never walked around. 
But I was a different type of player, though. I was more like realizing that the mental part of it was so important that I couldn't get too excited or too up or too down or too emotional because it's a long season. So you have to be yeah. very steady. So you couldn't tell whether I had home run or struck out. That was my goal is to not be a human scoreboard. ESPN Las Vegas, Marty Cordova's in. Local, played in the bigs. What was the worst team you were on? Where, where uh, you know, maybe you'd walk out there and you're like, my God, we're not good. It was probably the Twins. And, and even the, we had some good players on that team, but just for some reason, we just we lose like 100 games a year, and it was bad. And we'd have 2,000, 3,000 fans a game. You could hear everybody talking and eating and – it was it was hard. You come to the field and it's like the like the Red Sox were good back then and our, and they just you know you knew you probably weren't going to win the games and and even though you try to put on that good face and spring training everybody's like well, you know we can do it but you're like right. how how can we do this our payrolls twenty two million and then the Red Sox were one thirty five right it's just they had all the better players and there's just no two ways about it. So what do you think about what the A's are doing here? I mean they're they're going young. They're not spending money. They're trying to force some sort of change. Either they get the deal done in Oakland to get the stadium done, or they potentially move here. They've basically scared off most of their fans, so they get two and three thousand. And you know, sometimes teams will get off to a good start and they kind of outperform what the talent is, but they're terrible. I mean, they're off to a yeah. two and eight start. They just lost to Tampa in three games, thirty-three to five. They were on the wrong side of two eleven nothing shutouts. I mean, to your point about knowing you're bad, like as they walk on the field, I wonder what their confidence is. Because there's a lot of young guys who are trying to make the bigs. Well, who that's sure the difference. had confidence going through the minors, and now you're on this team. You're like 11 nothing back-to-back games? But that's the difference. When you're on a team like that, you see it as an opportunity. Okay. I see that as an opportunity to play when I might not play on a team full of all-stars. So that's my chance to get out there and show the other teams what I can do or make myself a name on that team and be the cornerstone for the building-up process. So every team – at some point when they're in the bottom half, realize they got to do a rebuilding process and they're going to go young or they're going to get save as much money as they can. And then they're going to try to draft better, obviously, and then go out and get a couple of free agents if they can develop a few key stud young guys that still don't make a lot of money. And I remember the Indians were doing that for a long time. And Manny Ramirez was around Jim Tomei. They had one or two good years and they'd yep. sign him to a six-year deal. Yep. That seemed like a lot of money at the time. But then when they're fourth and fifth year, they were one of the most underpaid guys in the right. league. So it just take, there's a lot more to this when you got 30 teams trying to vie for the one to win one, you know, and the Yankees tried to pay overpay for years and yeah. that didn't work out well for them, so. No. No, money's not everything. But it gets you to a, a better position if you're not even going to spend, you know, I mean in, in the case now you're getting 90 to 100 million dollars, maybe a little over from baseball just to start to put together a team and you've yeah. got teams spending 30 or 40 million dollars and pocketing another 50 or 60. And the, you know, the crazy thing now with the A's is the fact that in the past they, they had continual flow of prospects coming up. Now they're really not even, and again, I, I always feel bad yeah. saying this because we got the aviators in town, but like, where are the elite guys coming up over and over and over again? Cause then you look at another situation in baseball, the Rays stadium situation is about as pathetic. Yeah. Right, they have a crap stadium. They get some fans, but like game two of the season for a top five team in baseball, and they had twenty thousand. That's not that's not great. It's not the A's with five thousand, but the Rays scouting is amazing. And not only do they, not only what they do in the draft, Marty, but the bounce backs. Yeah, it's getting the you know the guy on his second team or third team with the Rays, and then they're 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 turning guys around. They've got a guy Jeffrey Springs who looks like he's a Cy Young candidate. Red Sox were like not working out. Yeah. I don't understand how the, the – and 
hell, the, the guy who ran the club left for the Dodgers. You, so it's not, you it's just, not like it's not you know, you know it's not like they've retained all their personnel people and GM. It matters. It matters who's running the organization yeah. and who's in the minor leagues. It really does, and that's a really good example of it. Could you imagine if that same group of people were running the Angels? You have two of the probably the best players in the history of baseball. What a sad, what a, what a you, weird situation. If you said you're going to start a team with these two guys and you probably have a two hundred million dollar payroll and you can't finish five hundred, that's insane. Well, the other question with them is what what does the owner actually want to do? Artie Moreno. Put the team up for sale about three months ago, and then a, a month later, he's like, "Nah, I decided against it." There were so many Angel fans who were like, "Yes, we're finally out from under Artie Moreno. Now we're going to mm. win." And he's like, "Nah, I'm not going to sell the team." And now, yeah. now he may just—I well, don't know how he reaps the benefit from letting Otani walk. I would—I would hope that he's—he want—he already invested the money in Trout. I would, and he's going to have to invest another four hundred million dollars, or four fifty, or five hundred million dollars in Otani, but. Well, let me ask you this. Why would things change if you have the same two guys that were in the prime of their career? They're getting yeah. – uh, Tani's not, but Trout's getting a little older. He's yeah. 30, right? Yep. So these guys are getting towards the second half of their career. You had them in their young prime, and you couldn't win, and you think something's going to change. I'd almost say you got to let them go. And you, There's a whole process gotta there. got to sell the team. Something. You let let somebody team. else come in that wants to try to do it the right way. You have or, some really rich friends. Get them to buy into baseball. Yeah, my friends aren't really into baseball. They're more football they guys. They are more football yeah, guys. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that on the way back. A little more baseball. Marty Cordova, former rookie of the year. He's a Vegas guy. Went to Bishop Gorman. Is in the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. And uh, he's involved with the United Way Golf Tournament here in Vegas on May 11th. Is that Revere? If you want to get into the tournament, you want to donate. We had a couple people call in earlier, contact us with um, – Offers of uh, something to put in silent auctions. If you want to get involved, it's uwsn65.org. It's uwsn65.org for all the information. May 11th, United Way Golf Tournament at Revere. Keep it locked right here. Cofield and Company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling on. So May 11th, we bring out the sticks. Golf for the United Way. Do you have any clue what your list is? Or you're going to come back in a couple weeks, start announcing? Yeah, I'll come back. I'll come back in a, right. and I'm just reaching out to guys. I'm going to put it, something on my socials and reach out to guys soon. I just wasn't really – you reach out to guys too far in advance and they're yeah. they're not sure what they're doing tomorrow, let alone two months or three months. So. you got to get uh, Greg Maddox yeah. in it. I don't know. I, I don't know Greg that well. I, I like Greg, but I don't talk to him often. You know, it's sounds so – Spread out now. You just, I, mean, I don't go out that much, so you don't run into people as often as you'd like. But I haven't seen him in a, quite a few years. And you have a small circle now, right? Real small. Adam Hill, and then who else? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I don't have a ton of friends. I like to keep my friends that are, are my true friends, and I'm, I'm not out looking for friends. I'm not in a bad way. I'm just I, I have a lot of people that I meet and talk with and socialize with, uh, but a very small amounts. But uh, my true friends are just the friends I've had for a long time. Good deal. Yeah. So we got golf coming up on May 11th. We'll continue to uh, promote throughout this month. We want to get some of the uh, celebs on. Last couple of things on on baseball. We were talking about the A's and just how poorly they're doing right now. Let's take away that as the A's. Baseball in general. We can build a stadium here. I don't know if we're going to build it, but someone's going to build a stadium here. Does it work for six months? Does baseball take off here, Major League Baseball? I think Vegas could support a team in the future. It's going to take a few years to build a stadium. The town's going to continue to grow, but you got to have a good product. It seems like there's a lot of options here in town, and if you don't have a good team, like you saw with the Golden Knights, they they're still a great team every year, but they dropped off a little bit a couple of years ago, and all of a sudden, seats aren't sold out every game. You know, it's not like it was where there's a line out the door and people all dressed up and can't wait to get to the stadium. Things lose their 
appeal here very quickly. You, like have, to UNLV, win, you have to win at a high level, yeah, and, you, and then there yeah. also has to be a sizzle at the games. Yeah. If UNLV basketball was winning right now, people would go. People would go. But they're not winning. They need, if they could put a team on the court, any, any team in Vegas that wins will be supported. But you got to win. You still have your tickets for both the Raiders and the Knights, or do you get rid of the Knights? I don't have the Knights anymore, but I have the Raiders. Okay. Yeah. I, I love How's football. How's that working out? I love it. I just, yeah. I just love football, so I go to every game. I take my brother. We go every game, and then um, I have four seats, so I'll sometimes give them to people or sell them or whatever. It just depends on what who's in town and what's going on or what, what my schedule looks like. But I love football, so I do go Do me a favor. I, w- I was getting on Ari kind of hard yesterday. It was National Siblings Day, and I was kind of busting his chops about being the youngest. So... I don't know. I might have to text you. Get 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 him one ticket. We'll get him one of your tickets. He'll have to hey. sit with three strangers. But That's all right, right. you want to go to the game? Sure. A game <laughs> sometime in the next five years. Yes. I got to do something. I feel bad. We we're really getting on on him yesterday. I drove home. I was like, man, we we're kind of mean. See, I can self reflect every once in a while. Hey, nothing wrong with that. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with it at all. What do you think the Raiders are going to do this year? I don't know. I thought last year was going to be their year, and unfortunately, they they probably had five games at least that that should have won. Yep. So they could have easily they easily should have been in the playoffs. And it's it's bad because when you get all the breaks, you have all those games you should win. It's like the next year you may not have those opportunities as much. You might not have those opportunities that things go your way or you're in that position when when you're winning like in the Rams when you're winning with a minute left and a quarterback that doesn't even know the plays and you're like go run there and I'll hit you over here and you know knocking the ball out of a guy's hands when it's a sack it just they self-destructed on a few times which uh, again these guys are all professionals they they want to win more than i want them to win they don't need to be told this they're just as mad about it or more than than we are and that's what i don't think a lot of fans understand is they they're hard on the athletes but these athletes are we're much harder on ourselves we live with this every night we got to go home and relive the mistakes we made and that's why it's so hard it's uh, the best thing you can have as an athlete is a very short memory i'm glad you said that as a guy's a little bit older, because I feel like our age and up, there's more former athletes who then some something switches, and they're like, these guys don't care anymore. And I'm like, they make a lot of money. They care. All right? It's a lot different now, but they care. Trust me. Now, there might be some guys who are a little loosey-goosey once they have guaranteed money, but very few. Even the guys that are in, under any situation, you still have pride in yourself, yeah. and you still you got, have self-respect. You self got respect. to a point yeah. by, by being prideful and competitive. Yeah. Yeah. You There's, don't just you freaking just, no. lose it. You don't, and it's super embarrassing to strike out. It's super embarrassing to let your teammates down. You have family and friends that are wanting you to do well. You think it, it's fun to go home after an 0-4 and strike out with the game on the line? I, I, I'd have nights where I couldn't sleep after I've made mistakes or done things. There's still times I'll think back at a game really? that I didn't. One of them, for example, was we were in, in a Anaheim – when I was with the Orioles and Scott Erickson was pitching and it was, I'm trying to make this quick. I was on third base and there was a runner on second. There was one out and the game was zero to zero in the, like the eighth inning. And he was pitching an unbelievable game and there was a fly ball to pretty deep left field. And uh, I was like, well, there's no way they're going to get me at home. So I start to run home and then I hear the crowd starting to cheer and I realized no way did the runner on second try to tag and go to third. No way he did that. And I realized he did. That's how quick I could process that what happened. Yeah. So I tried to speed up at the last second, and they tagged him out at third before I crossed home plate. So the run didn't count. And then Scott Eric, we ended up losing oh, a couple no. innings later, but we would have won the game one to nothing. And I, and I really felt bad for Scotty because he's a very good friend of mine. And I was like, man, I freaking can't believe I did that because it was just me – Thinking that he wouldn't be right. dumb enough right, to try right, to tag right. from second with two out with one out and get the third out at third, nobody does that. Every, nobody would do that, especially on a fly ball to deep left field. It made no sense. But I I could hear the crowd cheering, and I'm like, oh no, 
this isn't happening. What? And it happened. Why was that triggered? What brought that back? I think about it all the time. Really? I just do because I really because I I just like God. What a dumb thing to do. Just I didn't hustle. And then one other time, it was opening day in in in, in Minnesota, yeah. and I was on first base, and Paul Molitor was on third, and it was in the first inning, and there was a, another. One out, I'm on first base, he's on third. I'm not paying attention because it's you know, the opening day. And the, the batter hit a deep fly ball to left, and I just start running like there was two outs. So I start rounding second. As I'm rounding second, I look, and I see Paul Molitor like jumping up in the air like, what? go back. And I could read his lips. He was like, go back, you stupid blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then I realized as they're throwing it to first, right. I just not only did I cost us a run, but I cost my friend and teammate an RBI, and now he's got an 0 for 1. And that kind of stuff bothers me because it, it really bothered me when I hurt somebody else with my dumb mistakes. Well, we talked about the studio having lots of room. We did talk about the napping couch, right? Right, we talked about putting a couch over here. Maybe we have the uh, the psych couch. Yeah. Mid-show, when someone has an episode, some PTSD about something in their life, we'll just sit them down. Take a break. Take a nap, and then we'll uh, we'll do a, a block in the show. We'll self-examine. Uh, or uh, actually, we'll help examine you. Uh, UWSN65.org. UWSN65.org. Revere, May 11th, charity golf tournament for the United Way. Are you going to come back? Have you back yeah. in a little later in the month? I, I'd love to come back in a week okay. or, or, or maybe a week. Um, Next, not this week, Whenever. next, the following week, and then I'll, I'll see who I can get to come out. And I want to put that out there to any guys that are local. If I don't have your phone number, I apologize. But anybody that wants to reach out to me, um, my socials are my name. If you want to hit me on social, I, I'm going to put out a post uh, here tomorrow or the next day probably about this. But every guy I've ever played with, please, or, or any sport, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, football, basketball, it doesn't matter the sport. If you played and want to come out and help uh, you know, be a part of this, I'd love it. I, again, this is my first time I've ever done something like this, and I just decided they didn't have a host to do this, and they're like, you want to do it? And I'm like, absolutely love to be able to support a you know, good cause. May 11th, get out there. Revere, uh, UWSN65.org. Uh, uh, Marty Cordova, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Keep it locked right here. Cofield and Company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. Let's bring in Darren Millard, talk about some Vegas Golden Knights hockey with the uh, final two games of the season on tap. Darren, how you doing, buddy? Steve, I've missed you over the last week. It's so good to be back with you. Do you mean that? Yes, of course. I look forward to our conversations all the time. And you are one of the few people, you and Ari, who give me a reminder uh, yes. the day before, yes. which I always do appreciate Good. instead of just getting a random call or blaming me for forgetting. So I do, uh, I do bond with you. I'm old and I forget things too. Not to say you're yeah. old, but I forget things. So a little helpful, little helpful hint every once in a while. I need a lot of help. Yes, yes. So uh, help us set up these final two games here. Um, first of all, you know, one of the themes we talked about throughout the year was, hey, the Knights at home, what's the problem? It's been a little better of late. Yeah, and they can finish 10 games above 500 <laughs> at home. Yeah. They can finish with the the potential is the, the seventh highest win total in the National Hockey League on home ice. And you've also got the best home ice record since the middle of January at home belongs to the Vegas Golden Knights. So they, they were good at the start. And then they hit a real flat spot, and there was all kinds of speculation. Is it just they're more focused on the road? Uh, is it they're trying to uh, put on more of a show for the fans at home? Uh, what is it? Well, I-, I think there was a lot of road games, and then they come home, and quite frankly, they were beat. They were petered out. 
and they took them a while to, to get into some rhythm at home. And since they've turned that corner, middle of January, and then after the All-Star break, uh, they've been borderline unbeatable on, on home ice, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with the record against the division. And I think if, if you want to call it all's right in the world, I think you're safe to say that. How are the Kraken good, this good, this early? You know, year one wasn't so great. They're, they're, they finish with 100 points plus here, depending on what happens the last couple of games. Yeah, I, I won't say this too loud, but they set a record for best performance by a second-year franchise. Uh, they, they are above what Vegas did in its second year. Now, Vegas went to the Seneca Final in its first year, made the playoffs the, the, the first four years. Like You're not going to beat what the Golden Knights did uh, out of the gate as a franchise, but that's not to say what Seattle has accomplished should be overlooked. Uh, they were in a bad spot last year of trying to measure up to the Golden Knights, and quite frankly, they flopped. And they flopped in almost every position. And it was not fantastic. But they went out and they made some changes uh, to their hockey club. Uh, they they get, got some more offensive power. And this team scores a ton. They're a top-five scoring team in the National Hockey League, Steve. You don't think that out of the Seattle Kraken because they don't have that overwhelming star. But they've got more double-digit scores than anybody else in, in the league. And, and that is a direct copy, really, uh, of, of the Vegas Golden Knights in the depth and being able to get a lot of production from, from different guys. Now, they did go out and spend some money, and they brought in Burakovsky, which uh, has been a, a huge uh, boost uh, to them uh, in, in the scoring front. And, and quite honestly, they've, they've got some saves at some, at some key times. Now, I don't, I don't like their goaltending. Uh, I don't think their goaltending has been top half of the National Hockey League. But when you score as much as they do, you don't have to be top half of the league, and Martin Jones and then Philip Grubauer a little bit more lately have been pretty good. Now, Grubauer has lost his job. I don't know whether he's going to get it back. Jones is going to go tonight in a pivotal game on the back-to-back, and he's lost his last five to the Vegas Golden Knights. And I said the last two times, Steve, that he played Vegas, that he should never face the Golden Knights again. Like it should be, he should go to the coach yeah. anytime he's put on the starting game sheet to face the Golden Knights. She should walk up to the coach and show the coach the video of the last time he played the Golden right. Knights because it's been awful. Right. Like he just, just doesn't have it against Vegas, but he's going to go tonight and he, he is their number one guy. Darren Lard's on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is in as well. Adam Fire. Well, Darren is a professional, so he already uh, he already got to what I was getting. I I literally sat and had this conversation with uh, with Ben Goetz, who covers the team for the Review Journal, last night, just about the similarities between Seattle and what they've yeah. done and what the Golden Knights did, except for the goaltending. And you got into it, like what what can they do? Because you said they've got some saves at times. Their goaltending is not good, though. And nope. as you said, if they're if they ended up in a series with the Golden Knights at some point, you can't trust Martin Jones. No, you, you know what the series that I would love to see uh, Seattle in is against Edmonton. I don't know whether that, that could even happen because I haven't gone down that far down uh, the rabbit hole. But, uh, uh, I mean, if, if Seattle ever got into to, to third and Edmonton finishes in the runner-up spot in the, in the Pacific Division, you would get that series because uh, Edmonton loves their free wheel. And Seattle, uh, they don't have the one-two, but they've got a, a eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, on their team, that would be fun. You might get a couple of uh, nine-seven games uh, out of that series. Uh, the, what do they do, uh, Adam? Quite frankly, they got to score. 
they they got to score more. And it's their second year. Uh, I don't think they're expecting to win a Stanley Cup. This year has been uh, a real revelation for them, a real answer for the franchise, uh, some some credibility in and around the National Hockey League, uh, emerging from the shadow of the Vegas Golden Knights. If what happened six years ago hadn't occurred, this would be one of the all-time great stories in NHL history, quite honestly. But but it's just it's just another season because of what what Vegas did. But I don't know whether you can get by with that defense and that goaltending, more specifically the goaltending in a, in a Stanley Cup playoff series. Who who's the most likely team you think to just get hot, to just get red hot from the Western Conference and and just be a real problem for everybody? Well. L.A. went 12 straight with a point, a franchise record, and then cooled off. Can they turn it back around uh, like, like Vegas did? Vegas had a, just a wagon gone, and then they hit their little stumble in the game against Edmonton uh, and uh, the road game against uh, San Jose. Their, their, their dip was a lot shorter than, than what the L.A. Kings has been. Uh, Seattle has been tremendous highs and lows, and uh, if, if there's no in-between with them. Uh, so... Uh, I could see them going, uh, giving it a challenge, but I'm not sure that they've got the depth. Um, in, the, in the Pacific Division, it's, it's anybody's game, really. They've all had great runs. Vegas has been great in the second half. And, and I'd be lying to you if I said that Edmonton, uh, Vegas, L.A. had flaws that could stop them from, from going on a deep run. They don't have those flaws because whatever limitations they have, the other guys have the same ones. Darren Millard, AT&T Sportsnet, getting ready for the game tonight against the Kraken. He's up here on ESPN Las Vegas. Guys, we have about a minute left. Sorry, I shorted you a little bit. Uh, uh, our good buddy Marty Cordova was in talking about some important stuff with the United Way. Um, Adam, close out with your uh, final question. Um, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I'm just, I don't know if anybody can beat Boston anyway. Are we just, are we just going through an, ex- an exercise here? No, no. Like, we, we've watched teams have epic seasons. Last time it happened was Tampa. They didn't win a game in the playoffs <laughs> that year. So, no, I'm not going to gift wrap them uh, a Stanley Cup final or a Stanley Cup championship. I need to see them go through through the wars, and, and let's see if it, uh, if they're really as good as the 82 games suggest because you're, you're starting over. When you've been the front runner for this long, starting over is a bit of a kick in the pants. Like, we've got to do this again? We've got to prove it all over again? We'll see. Do, would we rather see, real quick, uh, would we rather see Cassidy versus the Bruins in the final or Golden Knights versus Gallant? Uh, I'd rather see Cassidy against the Bruins. Okay. But just because of what happened this season with Boston and the storylines there, I, I, I would side with that. But, hey, uh, you, you're the writer. Uh, give me a script, and I could probably I could believe it. You're, you're the talented individual. I love your stuff. I do think the Rangers – thank you. I do think the Rangers have a chance to be one of the teams that unseat them, right? I, all I know is I'm going to Boston or the Big Apple in the spring. Book it. Good you times. and I will have some fun. Good times. It's good. Steve, you in? You coming with us? Uh, depends on the dates. We could do it. Well, we'll get. Can we borrow your private jet at least? I wish. I wish I had a private jet. That'd be nice. Miles on it. That, that'd be nice. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll say we'll try to. We'll try to work on this. Yeah. We'll try to work on this. We've never traveled as a show during the playoffs with VGK. Maybe this will be the year we do it. How about well, that? I, I'm in. Okay. I want to. Well, you're, you're, we know you're there. We know you're there. All right, <laughs> yeah. Darren. We appreciate it. Thanks for the nice words at the start of the interview too. Thank you. <laughs> See you, boys. See ya. There he is, Darren Millard. AT&T Sportsnet. Giveaway time, 364-1100-364-1100. Caller 7. BattleBots, Destructathon, Thursday through Sundays. BattleBots.com slash tickets. But Ari's got a pair right now. 364-1100-364-1100. BattleBots, Destructathon.